So what's up? Welcome back to the 43rd episode of Cinematic Minds. In this exciting installment, we're diving into the 1986 film, She's Gotta Have It, and celebrating the remarkable career of its visionary director, Spike Lee. Get ready for an insightful discussion that explores the roots of Lee's iconic filmmaking. Hosted by us three brothers, Ed, Theo, and Malcolm Hollinsworth, we're thrilled to revisit this groundbreaking film and the brilliant mind behind it. Before we delve into Spike Lee's illustrious career, let's take a moment to appreciate She's Gotta Have It. This indie gem marked Lee's directorial debut and introduced the world to his unique storytelling style. Prepare for a deep dive into this classic. As always, a quick reminder, we are a spoiler zone podcast, so be warned that we will discuss the entire plot of She's Gotta Have It. All right, let's get started. For those of you who have listened to the first 42 episodes, we thank you for returning. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, we hope you enjoy the ride. Now sit back, relax. Enjoy and enjoy these cool sounds provided by our musical curator, my bruh, DJ Chuck D. Nola was something special. She had this amazing effect on men. Please, baby, please, baby, please, baby, 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 please. Good night. Good night. Wait, 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 wait. Is Jamie there? I was the best thing that ever happened to Nola, darling. Ask her, she'll tell you that herself. Why, well, she worshipped me. I've never seen anybody who like to look at themselves more than you do. Don't you ever get tired? Never happened, baby. Stop, <laughs> stop, Nola, stop. Stop. Nola knew what she wanted. And she's got to have it. <laughs> Nola, darling, would never marry a non-modeling, non-weightlifting, pseudo-black man like yourself. You know, Nolan, you've done me wrong. Please, baby, please, baby, please, baby, 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 please. No, Jamie, you're okay. You know, I've been thinking. I'm going to hook you up. With Nola, you get four days, I'll get three. It's mighty black of you. But I get the weekend, so... So you're bugging out, right? You're going to go? You're going to go? So what's up, fellas? Um, we are back. And uh, we are here today to discuss uh, the 1986 film, She's Gotta Have It. Um, this is Spike Lee's, I don't know how you want to define first film, right? But it's his first, I guess you can say, feature length film that's been distributed. Um, she's got to have it that disputed in 1986. It was written um, and directed by Spike Lee uh, on a very shoestring budget. Um, it's a favorite uh, uh, of mine. It was a great rewatch and um, kind of didn't realize, but on one, uh, yeah, just just upon just uh, rewatching this and stuff and doing some research, it's just a very interesting uh, film, in my opinion. But not to kind of get to, into things too much. Um, again, it did really successful. It's actually, I think, Malcolm's been telling us, I think he told us a few weeks ago, it's known as one of the most successful or most profitable uh, films ever. It, it was on an estimated budget of 175000 
Um, but it ended up grossing over $7 million. Um, it, it was made in seven days. 12 days. Oh, 12 days. Yeah, 12 days. Um, it released on August 8, 1986, publicly, but before that, and honestly, again, I don't want to get too far ahead. We talked about the spike part, but dude, it's just similarities I'd be seeing between what he's doing, what Theo's doing. Um, but it debuted at the San Francisco Film Festival, um, and it immediately got a lot of acclaim. And um, once it got picked up off at Cannes, then he's been, you know, in everybody's life uh, ever since then. Uh, I'm sorry, at Con. <laughs> so uh, with that, I don't know if anybody would like to kind of start off with first impressions or rewatch or what you guys thought about this. Yeah, yeah, I can start off. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I was like, I'd seen it years ago, and uh, I don't even remember where. I feel like I was in film school or something. Like, um, and it's like, all right, I need to watch this. I think you know what? I my first impression was I think I was motivated by I, I read I had this book called like Spike and Mike Gotta Have It or something like that. Um, yeah, it was yeah. like about both him and uh Kevin um Kevin James uh as independent filmmakers and how they got like distribution deals and stuff like that and so I was like all right I gotta see I gotta see she's gotta have it and yeah man like um I don't know like I liked it at the time but I also feel like I had a lot of context about like it you know, and but over time, I started to feel like, uh, it's, it's kind of weird with that like sex scene at the end and shit, and like I don't know if it's gonna hold up. So I was not excited to rewatch it, uh, <laughs> but then like, I found myself like enjoying it um, upon rewatch more than I thought I would. I was like, you know what, this does this still kind of holds up. There's some there's some things that I appreciate now about it that as I've aged that I didn't maybe appreciate the first time. And then there's some things in it that I'm like, oh, this really doesn't work anymore. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I did enjoy it. I would, yeah, you know, like I'll get into ratings and stuff later, but it was good upon rewatch. Um, I think one scene, we can get into it more later, but like one scene that like that always stood out to me when I was, uh, when I watched it in college was like the Thanksgiving scene. And I remember, like, as a project, I, like, um, organized some homies and, like, reshot that. And I played Mars in it. And, like, I watched it again with, like, Anj and my cousin and, uh, and her cousin that was in town. And, like, they, I didn't even tell them that I ma- reshot this. That, oh, like, shit. No, they didn't, I don't even think they know about it. I got to show it to Anj at some point. But, like, Anj in particular was, like, this scene needs a better and like it goes on. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it yeah. does. And honestly, like I remember, like like my remake isn't great, but I'm like honestly, like I don't think it's, I like, think it's dope, dude. I don't no, know if that scene like it's so it's it's kind of like yeah, I don't know. I think it did go on too long. That is my biggest. <laughs> I was like. It All did, right. but Mars is fucking hilarious. Right. Yeah. But it was also you can get a four days, I'll get a three. I get yeah. the weekends though. Yeah, that's a great line. That's a great line. I get the weekends though. Yeah, he did a good job. <laughs> he did a good job. Very uh, black of you, brother. Yeah. But like, yeah. So that I don't know. Um, that was my first impression. Better 
than expected. Things hold some things that hold up are, I think, uh, the character Nola. Um, just that idea in her, she's great, and I'm mad she didn't act in more, but I liked her. Um, I think I think that like Mars's character is really cool. That's a really cool character. And it's like unfortunate that they just didn't have like a spin-off about him or something. <laughs> like it's a really cool character. I like, think people wanted that, but I think he was like, no, nah, I'm about directing these movies, homie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's probably what happened. Yeah. I mean, but like that's a great character. And then um the Jamie Overstreet is a piece of shit. He's a great, but I, I thought it was funny. And I really liked the way like they had him like folding his like laundry. Like no, he's Greer. That's Greer. I'm sorry, not Jamie. I'm sorry. Greer. Greer. I thought was I I, I remember being like, man, fuck that guy. But like <laughs> the actor and the persona that they created was really funny. Um the spike in the book says he was like, dude, Greer was pretty much that that actor. Yeah, like, the actor acts exactly like that in real life. Yes. Right. Yeah, so I'm like, dang, all right, so like you're shitting on him, right? <laughs> right. Because that's like the and then and then you know what I, I also appreciated more while watching with Anja and her cousin was like there was one scene at the end, whenever uh she's she's like, Can you come over? Um to Jamie, and like they just cut to this like photography montage of him on the train and shit that transition over and like i was like that's a really cheap way to tell the story that's effective but also added this element of like oh this is high high art you know what i mean like i thought that that like and i think he did a lot of cool transitions like that two birds one stone yeah yeah like actually i just can't afford to shoot all of this shit but let me piecemeal this together and add some artistic element. And then, yeah, like at this, I best, I think, sorry, the last thing I'm going to say is it's a score. It's just really great. That's a great resourceful independent filmmaker to be like, my dad's a, my dad's a jazz musician. He's going to, he's going to fuck this up. Right. One of the he, best thing, if you ask me, it's one of the best things. He kind of yeah. it, it did that fine line of yeah. artsy, but economical. Yeah. 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 It's cool. Like they, like, he really used that to his advantage because it was like you heard that song, like Nola's song, doom, 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 doom. and you heard it a bunch before you get to the scene, the dance scene where like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, those they add lyrics to it, and it's like it's cool to like give your character such a consistent theme song, you know, like in a movie. So I appreciate it. I think that held up. Yeah, so those are my that's my initial thoughts. Great initial thoughts, man. What about you, Malcolm? Um, so yeah, I saw this probably about like eight years ago. Um, yeah, like what what got me interested in watching it? Uh, you know, y'all had been talking about it a lot. Um, and you know that paperback that we used to kind of pass around, Spike Lee. Yeah. So, yo, I need to trade you for that. I'll give you, you can give me that back and I'll trade you your book of basketball back. Cause I'm trying to run that back now. Um, but yeah, dude. So that got me out trying to watch it. Cause I was just like, you know, it was going in depth with each one of the movies. Um, and then 
Actually, Theo, I feel like your uh, reenactment of that Thanksgiving scene hmm. was like, I saw that before actually seeing the movie. Whoa, um, the so like, that? yeah, <laughs> I like ran those back side by side. I remember running those back side by side like a bunch because it was so good. Like, I, f- I thought it was funny how you kind of like nonchalantly were like, yeah. And like I reenacted it and for like a college class, like it was like some basic shit like it was great like like yeah, it was fucking dope i 100% agree not only wow. was it great Theo, you were great dude freaking <laughs> hilarious and super annoying dude you're all point with it dude it's great i'll be honest bro I'm, you need to get out the crates if if you want to read it out for the masses at least for me bro because like i need to watch that that's that's i've been thinking ever since i've been watering watching this movie like right exactly i hope, I hope exactly. he's gonna bring it out the crates that's fine. And I'm like, wow. yeah, I was watching the Thanksgiving scene. And I'm like, I like my mind goes to like the scene that you did. And it's just like, like, oh, yeah, he he says Jesse Jackson in this. And then I like how you made it more relevant. You said Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, that. that um, so, yeah, dude, that that was what really got me interested in watching this movie. Um, like you said, like it was a great rewatch. I mean, it's just the whole thing is just amazing it's just like a great piece of art like uh for sure and you know i thought it was sweet like how it's just like literally that one scene and that's probably like my favorite scene it's not the funniest scene but like nola's birthday that shit's like beautiful like i honestly would have like steal that idea and like <laughs> never show you in this movie and like just like do that same shit one day and like <laughs> just be like yeah <laughs> I just thought of this. I got you some dancers, babe. <laughs> hey, yo, but like, what about the shadiness? He like bones the dancer from like yeah. um, birthday thing. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. That was so unnecessary. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I think that was also economical. I got six people. I got six yeah. cast members. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He boned the dancer. Yeah, the other female. And then he was like, and then she was like, who like he didn't even have to tell her it was a dancer. <laughs> it was a dancer that I hired for you to dance for your birthday. Like, damn, damn, bro. You could have just said, Don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't know. I feel like if you're just taking at face value, like it's easy to think that Greer is like the shittiest one. But as I've been alluding to like all day in the chat. Jamie is the fucking worst. I hate Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really fucking hate Jamie. Like, I don't know. It's just controlling as fuck. Uh, just making her feel bad. Homophobic. Like, you know, Greer's yeah. just like conceited, you know? So was he um, all right? So he was homophobic, but also like she was clearly disrespecting him. You feel me? Like if yeah, I was I'd be like, fuck this guy. You know what I mean? So it's like that's just fucking unrealistic, though. Dude. I'm gonna take care of your girl. I'm gonna... Right. Like, that was, like yeah, we had a great time. Like, okay, <laughs> clearly you're over here trying to fuck with me right now. Like, yeah, dude, I don't know. Let's I don't know. I just feel like like lesbian chicks are generally not that aggressive. That's why I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like your representation of like that's, that's, maybe it's the writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I don't know. I mean, it's a movie and shit. But yeah, dude, it was definitely uh, a good rewatch. Um, yeah, but I forgot how intense the fucking rape scene was. Like, I was dreading that shit. I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty bad. But it was like worse than like I remembered. Um, so, yeah. 
that wasn't uh pleasant but i i don't i didn't remember like her calling him out on that like later right be like yeah (laughs) like you're like yeah i'm gonna be celibate now uh you know you're like almost rape of me uh you know it was part of the encouragement (laughs) yeah yeah He's like, oh yeah, I've, I've never done anything like that before. Well, I fucking hope not, nigga. Jesus. <laughs> and maybe I need a little bit more empathy than that. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It almost, it almost like, uh, I don't know. I upon rewatch, I was happy. I was like, oh good. Like he acknowledged, like she acknowledged it and called and wasn't like. Yeah. didn't tiptoe around it she was like you lightweight rape me like to spice credit in his book uh that's one thing he's very consistent on he says that's the one f- scene in all of his films that he wish that, that he regrets and he wish he could do redone um he thinks he really speaks yeah, to his immaturity. yeah he thinks it really speaks to his immaturity at the time and even much more how um the nonchalance of how it was kind of just treated so yeah um, interesting thing that I found out that uh, I guess the color scene was one of the worst reviewed parts initially um, when it was what? originally screened. Yeah, um, and he pretty much got that inspiration from Wizard of Oz, and they do oh. a direct reference because she does like the she does like the click with her uh, ruby slippers, I guess, for, for shoes. Why was right. that one of the worst uh, reviewed scenes? You think? What do I think? I, I, I maybe I should do more in depth, but honestly, what I initially thought was this: I would say a typical, right, a typical uh, critic at the time, right, your typical critic is like this. What they like about it is it's this black African American dude kind of doing the whole black and white jazz thing, and they didn't like the whole color scene. They probably didn't like the whole what they usually see, right? They like the whole thing of it being like a French film, I guess. I don't know. That's my theory, but I don't know what was. And, and oh, also my other theory, which they talk about a lot in the book, is the low quality at the time. So <laughs> uh, maybe he improved upon the quality after he got released. Um, <clears throat> he references a few directors in regards to the black and white inspiration. But one thing that I thought, um, Ernest, was it Ernest Dickerson or Monty Ross? I think Ernest Dickerson um, recommended. He was like, dude, I've been watching... You know, it was like the early 80s. And he was like, I've been watching um, Raging Bull so many times. And he was like, yo, Spike, should we make this like black and white, like Raging Bull? And Spike said he'd been watching some other directors' movies that were like French, whatever, that were black and white. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, he also references that you, that you referenced also in regards to using the stills. He, he didn't say necessarily. Well, no, I think he did say it was like it was economical, but then also it was like it can convey messages as well, too. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah i can see that i you know what i i realize now it's a one of you guys have spike lee's gotta have it or yeah. i gotta be honest i think i just decided i'm gonna just like order it for y'all right now <laughs> on um, amazon wouldn't it just make sense if like we all read <laughs> yeah dude i had i had like i i don't know what it must have it, it's gone now but i might still have it actually i, gotta I think i see out. yours well, why don't you let me know because i'm about to just send one out to malcolm um so yeah well i had not, like, i'll send one out to you it was like a really it was a hardcover version of it that i think i got oh, from really? like, a library and like never returned and it was really cool is it does it have like whole excerpts from the script and shit the one the book that you you have uh, uh i don't see whole excerpts from the script i see pictures uh, 
but no, not okay. Hulk and Scrib. Um, this is this book. I don't know if this is the same book. <clears throat> like, it's about it's like his journaling from she's got to have it. Yeah, that's what, what it's called. Yeah. So, so all right. So specifically, they talk about that. It's called Spike's Got to Have It. Yeah, that's what yeah. I read. So um, him uh, and Nelson George. So Nelson George was a pretty big uh, black artist he, he, uh, at the time. He was helping out, um, helping give uh, Spike a lot of promotion with this. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll be something to read sometime. Did you say you used to have that? That's yes. That book is dope. That's dope, bro. Like I, I gotta be honest, I'm not gonna give you too much front stuff, but I feel like you'd be applying a lot of that stuff, dude. I this a lot of these things that I hear what he'd be doing and stuff, especially at this stage of his career, is literally what I'd be seeing with you like you guys. It's like one, all right, hustling, uh being able to like be economical, making good decisions, but then also building a team, right? And developing relationships and then mm-hmm. kind of leveraging those and building upon those at other times. Yeah, uh, I mean, now come on, when you get sideways up to 22, though, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and he was doing it without like the internet, bro. Like, I don't even know, man. That's like another level. Like, he just had to, like, I don't know how he did that. He had to keep people's phone numbers. He's having to talk on, yeah, I don't know. That's just so much. It's so harder to think about like organizing film productions before you had fucking emails and zooms and <laughs> messages and shit like and you make money. things a lot easier if you were in a city like new york you'd have much more competitive edge over pretty much everyone else right yeah and it's yeah. like one of those things like you have to either be in hollywood or new york right period right. due to those things right it's not like a hey i'm a remote producer who right i don't know lives in uh-uh so I think that I think that's what that really speaks to, and he was kind of even maybe just he was on the fringe. Now, why we I, we mean we get too sidetracked? Do you have anything else to share in regards to your original thoughts on this? No, I just like this last thing is I just think it's wild, Eddie, that you can remember this movie. Talk about talk about talk about you gonna like let me like give you my first impressions. I will, but I mean, I just oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> You shared this in previous podcasts and shit too. This isn't like oh dude, my bad. So like yeah, I mean, because I'm just like, this is crazy, dude. Your memory with like every single one of these movies that we see, like you can remember like the exact time going to the cinema. I mean, I especially like for a four year old, like this just shit would not be memorable. I feel like to me, like is it black and white and shit? Like I don't know. I just think that's interesting. So and you got a good, you got a good memory. Oh, okay. That's cool. My bad. I thought you were going to say something else. That's why I was being stupid. My bad. Uh, well, that's cool that you say that. Because, yeah. Well, one to that, before I get into the details, I mean, I think Theo can relate with me on this. Like, there, we were there before there was the internet. And then when there was like, not to be too crazy, but there was like 35 channels, right? And then there, all right, so long story short, there wasn't as many options. I remember when, like, it was, like, Disney was, like, free Disney weekends. Me and Theo were, like, watch Disney all weekend or whatever. Um, what am I getting at? There wasn't many black, oh, there wasn't many mainstream movies by black directors that were famous and had all black casts. So... Like the Spike Lee movies were like very easy to remember for me. So I'm not like that with all movies now. I'm, I do have a lot of different ones, but yeah, Spike Lee movies, I kind of remember like very clearly. Um, 
So yeah, <clears throat> specifically, this is actually like one of my, I can't remember a younger in movie theater experience. I think it's my, my youngest in movie theater experience is mom and dad taking me to see this what? in the movie theater. And it was so freaking weird to me because I literally remember having the thought of this is a black and white movie. What is going on? There's like black people and they're talking like, and honestly, I remember thinking like this. I was like, these people seem like mom dad's friends. And it literally seemed like that because like the main characters seemed like one of my friends to me. I was like so nervous. And I'm like, this is like one of the ladies that mom hangs out with and stuff. And again, like the guys just seemed like guys that were like in Rochester and stuff. And then, you know, then I remember seeing him, honestly, it's kind of all coming back to her. Then I remember seeing him on the Air Jordan commercials. And I was like, Ma, who's that, that, that dude? And she was like, yeah, Spike Lee, he's about to have a movie. And then School Days would come out um, next, and that'd be like on TV. And so I remember like all very vividly. So I'll get to talking about that. But this is like my first in-movie theater experience. And I remember having a thought of just not really thinking it was cool, just being like confused. And I don't think I really watched it again until I was an adult and I graduated college and I rewatched it. And I was like, oh, wait, this was that movie <laughs> when I was really young. I was like, what? That was this? They took me to that. And that's like my first like kind of like what is going on memory. So, uh, I mean, in movie theater experience. So I think it's kind of cool and uh, I love it. And I think kind of tripping me out, just kind of coming back to it and just. Uh, it just seems like the really beginning of a lot of things, like you know, the confluence of black filmmaking. I mean, dude, it's like a whole bunch of heavy hitters in that dog scene. You got like the director of House Party, you got Ernest Dickerson, you got Fat Five Freddy. I mean, you got Monty Raw, you got a whole bunch of heavy hitters in there and stuff. Um, but then you got also just like the rise in the hip hop and stuff too. So I just thought it was really cool. And um, I do even remember just, it was so weird because again, I just feel like it was such a rarity sometime to see like a realistic, I don't say that was, that, not to say this is realistic, but relatively realistic portrayal of black people as in just from a director of, a, of, of, of someone of color portrayed in a different way. And I don't know how to say it in the best way, but I feel like that's what I would see the first time with like these Spike Lee joints and stuff, just from like um, not under the white gaze. I don't know, but uh, so I, that, that was kind of like my first memory of it. And rewatching it, uh, I rewatched it on my way back from New Orleans on the train. I think I was live texting y'all. I was feeling like crap, and it actually kind of like cheered me up and got me in a real good mood and stuff. So I love it, and um, I look forward to enjoying this. And um, again, Spike Lee is one of my favorite directors, so. I look forward to kind of talking about this uh, a little more. So, yeah, those are my first impressions. This is one of my favorite, uh, I guess, fa favorite films. Uh, with that, <clears throat> do any of y'all have anything to share in regards to favorite characters or scenes? And if you think you already discussed it, you know, feel free to continue to discuss or if you want to discuss another scene in particular. Anybody want to start I'll, off? I'll go back to like the Thanksgiving scene. Um, I just think it's just wild that she had the audacity to bring all three of them together and like was surprised when shit went left. I was like, especially with all these guys too, especially that. with Greer and Mars. Yeah. 
Like, she was like, oh, well, I figured you'd all meet each other anyway. So, you know, I'm boning all you guys. So, you know, uh, let's just have Thanksgiving together. Um, yeah. That's I don't just, know I what mean, the end then, game was there. Like, what? That, I don't understand what the end game was there. Like 2023 polyamorous relationship. Like, but like, they're not with each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, why would they? I don't understand why any of them agreed to this. That was it. <laughs> that was absurd. There was no. Thing, I feel like she did it again in like the TV show remake. Oh uh, yeah. See, I only watched the pilot. It, it, oh, it, you didn't watch that, dude? Yeah, oh, you man. should watch the show, bro. It's pretty I, good. I saw it years ago when it came out, but like I wasn't about to rewatch. I I saw the pilot again. I was like, all right, I get it. Oh, <laughs> you rewatched <laughs> the pilot. Oh, yeah, okay. I thought yeah, you said yeah. you. I thought you said you only. Show- I gotta be honest, bro. I mean, I think that tells you how much I thought about it. I was like, rewatch. I didn't rewatch the pilot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. But I forget. But I saw it so long ago when it came out that I don't remember the remake of the the uh, dinner. Oh. Um, yeah, but I I mean, I guess Mal- it's so weird because I appreciate that you're like, man, Theo, you had a great that that my remake was funny, but like that whole thing is just so cringy to me. Like the co- like <laughs> like the whole the whole Thanksgiving scene in the movie and then mine as a as a like product of it. I'm like. Oh, this is cringy, bro. <laughs> I, dude, I don't know, man. I fucking love that scene. That shit. Yeah, I think it's hilarious, dude. It's hilarious, bro. And, and honestly, and like, I see like I see like, like Mars is just going off in it. I see like little beginnings of like you're seriously in there. I see like little <laughs> beginnings and stuff, little small slivers. Fifty yeah. dollar jeans and I got no job. Yeah, it's a cool character. Cool character. I mean, that's his breakout scene for sure. And I asked, like, after the scene afterwards, like, what? Like, it was confusing because they were all in there playing cards, <laughs> cards or whatever. And then they get in a fight, and I thought that they were gonna like leave. Everybody's gonna leave, yeah. but then like it's just like let's watch like, dishes. A long, right? <laughs> but then no, after that scene, it's just oh, a yeah. scene with nothing really happening. Yeah. Except for like what they're just they're just all there because they don't want to leave because they're like nah nobody's fucking uh Nola tonight. Is that like <laughs> do y'all know what that's about? I mean I I kind of think it's like that. It's like hmm, y'all you you leave because I'm staying. Right. <laughs> but like she's laying up with Jamie the whole time. So I'm just like <laughs> yeah. she already decided, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Again, last, I don't think she really had an end game yet. I don't think she really thought it out too well. Yeah, it seems confusing to me. I was like, "What is going? Why?" Yeah, it's mostly because like, why Jamie? Jamie's <laughs> back is, bro. Yeah. So I'm just gonna go Connor. I feel like my, I mean, I feel like Mars Blackman and Thanksgiving is. A little, I won't say obvious, but I think that's, you know, everyone's a kind of reflection, man. I'm like really enjoying Greer. And Greer's lines and like his scene, he's taking forever. <laughs> I think that's just like some really, I don't want to say, I think that's like some good, I don't know, visual humor, especially with like Nola. Every time she comes back, not only with her like getting more like, mm-hmm. like falling asleep, uh, but getting like more oh. pissed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's really funny, man. So, um, and what are some of Greer's lines I just wanted to call out? 
if you weren't fine, I wouldn't even bother with you. (laughs) We let her create a three-headed, six-armed, six-legged, three-penis monster. It was all our fault. That was was the best line in the whole movie. (laughs) Two more. I think you're sick. Now, I'm not saying that you're a nympho, a slut, or a whore, but maybe a sex addict. (laughs) And... How much no, longer yeah. must I tolerate these ignorant, low-class, ghetto Negroes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did have some good ones. So wait, <laughs> what is your favorite uh, actor, Malcolm? Or, or uh... uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was just, it was just Spike Lee, you know, um, as Mars. Like, I guess well, I want to know what y'all think. Like, do you think that that Mar- the Mars character? would have worked and do the right thing instead of Mookie. Cause Mookie was fucking lame to me. Um not, no, no, because Mookie have you recently character... watched Do the Right Thing? Alright, sorry, I want to ask questions. Fuck, you have to be No, 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 no. I ain't sweating you. No. No, I right, my bad. I, I you know what maybe that came off condescending. So I apologize. I wasn't trying to come off that way. My bad. Um I mean, I feel like there's silly moments I, and shit in it, you know. True that. True that. You right? Not, nah, but like, okay. The perp, like the purpose okay. of, of a Mars Blackman is to be, uh, the comedic relief. Yeah. And like, Mookie is the protagonist and do the right thing, so he's kind of like not really the comedic relief. He's like. He's like the audience's perspective on like the crazy world. And it'd be hard to identify with like a Mars Blackman in that role. Cause you're, cause you're like, you know, like Mookie's, he's, he is kind of more vanilla than everybody else. And it's like all these other crazy ass people around mm-hmm. him. Like if you have Mars Blackman in that role, it's like, you're crazy as fuck too. Like who is, who is our grounded character inside of this film? You know, so so what I'm thinking is this, and maybe we're getting not that was a good analysis, Theo. No, I think it's excellent analysis too. What I was making me think is this too. All right, one, I love Spike Lee. Do the right thing is excellent. I think it's I don't say it's magnum opus. I think it's one of his magnum opuses. I think Malcolm X is his best, but we'll get there. Um, I want to think about who I think would have been best if who would have been better if we would have had recast as Mookie. At that time, in 1989, who would have been like that best person? And then we have Spike Lee play Mars Blackman as either, and you know what? He's hanging out with either um, what's his not uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character, mm-hmm. or he's hanging out with the crew that's with Martin Lawrence and them. You know what I mean? I can see him either was, and he's not in every scenes, but we see him. So I, I see him either one of those and stuff. But I want to come back to this. I'm wondering if like was Don Cheadle was too young. But I'm trying to think who like who was that talent in like 1989. I think Denzel is maybe too obvious. I don't know if like Denzel or Wesley. I don't know, but I feel like there could have been a better talent. But again, the ironic thing though, at that time, like in that entire cast, which is super ironic now when you go back and look at it, at that time that money that movie was marketed off of two stars: Danny Aiello and and um, Spike Lee. So, like, they were the two stars in the movie. But what's go crazy is when you go back and look at that movie, like, 
you got Samuel Jackson, Martin Lawrence, Robin Harris, uh, Johnny, you know, so it's just kind of crazy and stuff, ironically. Um, yeah, but Wesley Snipes, though, is like Mookie, though, and do the right thing and fucking yeah. with it. It's like a good, like, protagonist inside of, like, Jungle Fever. So, like, he could have he could have done this one and then, like, yeah, having, like, Mars Black and being this shit, too, would be, like, sweet, but... But then, then if we if we had Wesley Snipes as Mookie and do the right thing, it would have mean that there was no Rosie Perez in Jungle Fever because when they went to cast Rosie Perez in Jungle Fever, they would have been like, "Nah, she's already oh wait, no, nah, she wasn't with Wesley." Because she was with Woody. <laughs> Woody. So I guess we could have still got the parents. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I like it. I like it. Yeah, we're getting sidetracked though. Mars Blackman is your is your your. Actor. Yeah, that's yeah, that's me. That's that, that's my guy. So, all right, I'm gonna flip it a little bit because, like, it's weird. I mean, I I don't know. I think the scene that somehow sticks out with me that I kind of dug a lot, even though I don't like the character, is Jamie's first like interaction with like picking up uh nola you know what i mean like yeah i was like i mean i guess it probably wouldn't work out today because it's like creepy he's like following her it no, worked that's for him creepy in hindsight. <laughs> so, like, dude he's like fucking tracking this chick down right now this shit right. is like not charming or endearing at all like, <laughs> but she was into it and i guess the like the way he was like Whatever you want to go, I'll take you. Wherever you want to go, I, I, I was like, okay, that was smooth. Yeah, he's not thirsty as fuck. Maybe as I'm like, maybe as I'm replaying this back, I'm like, maybe that wasn't smooth. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it for some reason. I think maybe the music, the way it was shot, or something. It seemed cute. It seemed like a like, like a I don't know, like a good like pickup scene. But like I'm not, now I'm like, hmm, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the scene that at least right now sticks with me. Um, and then like. As far as breakout character, um, I mean, honestly, it's like, like I, I think I said it earlier, Nola, Nola, man, she's and yeah, it's she weird because even stuff. even on, I was thinking it, and I was like, I'm not gonna say it, like, but I'm glad on said it. She was like, this movie is like writing her to be badder than she really is. <laughs> 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 but like you know what I mean? like that was one of the reviews there was like these guys are infatuated with her and they're like her personality is pretty flat yeah <laughs> i don't know that's the thing is like i liked her personality i feel like her um, personality and oh, her confidence kind of did make her like allow her to be talked about in this light but like just straight up based on like looks i'm like she's a solid like seven <laughs> so I, I agree with you my only counter to that is this it's in black and white and and her other most famous role speaking of spike lee where mm-hmm. i see her in color she seems like a 10 to me brother and her scene is in new jack city in new jack city and like when uh spike lee and his brother are fighting over the chick that's like dancing at the house, looking all super sexy and getting Nino and uh, G Money to fight with each other. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, I think her hairstyles is kind of fucking her up, honestly, more than anything. Like she had like some locks or some shit. Dude, that's like the she... rocking in '84, bro. 
Like, yeah, that's pretty rock in the 80s, but like I feel like that's also part of like that kind of makes her not as bad to like 2023 standards. So so do you know who is originally supposed to be uh cast as uh Mars Blackman? Yeah, he texted us earlier. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't we didn't discuss I, it on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if you're asking us, we my do bad, my bad. Okay, part. you're right, you're right, you're right. I shouldn't, yeah. <laughs> You Which is another reason why I guess I shouldn't text stuff before the... (laughs) (laughs) It's like, save it for the pot. So Giancarlo Esposito was originally supposed to be um, cast as Mars Blackman. And so Giancarlo's uh, comments on it were freaking hilarious. The shade is so real with this. So here's what what Giancarlo says in his quote. Giancarlo Esposito was still smarting over Smike's decision to pull the plug on the messenger. And he admits, I was really bummed out that he decided to star in his own movie. That meant I was out. But Spike was Mars Blackman. Because Mars Blackman and Spike, to me, is a character that came right out of Spike. The character loves basketball, hip-hop, and urban clothing. He finds Nola's sexual habits most disturbing and has an affiliation with the politics of black nationalism, but neither the facilities nor the wherewithal to adequately express these views. I don't know, man. I just thought that was like Giancarlo just being like, I really respect Spike. That character is cool just like him. He's a guy who has dumb views about women <laughs> and thinks he's a black nationalist but he's not really smart enough or eloquent enough to communicate those thoughts effectively. So I was just kind of like, dude, that's shame. <laughs> Damn. Um, the, I don't know. What, what would y'all, I just, I'm, I'm just curious though, right? Because just seeing how Giancarlo comes with it, with it in these next two films that we're going to review, like what, what just what are your just can you guys imagine like Giancarlo as, as as Mars or not really? Yeah, man, he's a great actor. He didn't I mean pull it off. I mean, he has the energy, obviously. You can see that from uh, bugging out from yeah. do the right thing. So I think he could have totally like did just as good, if not a better job, if he was the one that got casted. But at that's that's my I mean, I don't know. It, it Spike did a good job with them. But I will say that, like, with Giancarlo Esposito in the role, it might have been more believable. Because, like, because Nola wouldn't fucking know Spike Lee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, the range, the range of dude she fucks is like, well, anybody can get it. (laughs) Because it's like... (laughs) Jamie looks like he's like 58. Like, this thing is old as hell. Uh, <laughs> then Greer, he's a good looking dude, but he's clearly a horrible human being. And it's and then Spike Lee is like a little like he's hilarious, but he's like, it's like, ugh. <laughs> and that's I don't know, maybe that gets me transitioning unless you got some more to kind of discuss about the current film, but in regards to the remake, right? I think we all kind of maybe like the original one maybe better than the remake, but I will give that to how they cast the remake and how they cast Mars Blackman. Yeah. The two things I want to say about it is like, um, <laughs> one, I was like, 
uh, cool Anthony Ramos, right? Because I'm just a fan of him. Uh, I can't remember if this was before or after Hamilton. I have a feeling it was probably after. Um, but he's just a cool dude. I like his I like his, his style. I like him in a lot of things. But he's also kind of like pretty typical handsome, right? <laughs> it's like I can see him pulling Nola, you know what I mean? A little bit more realistically than, mm-hmm. than, than uh, his father. Second yeah. thing I kind of thought, though, was Theo would have been better. Just... I, 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 I prefer, I prefer the Theo. So the way they did it in the show. I thought Mookie was supposed to be his father. Oh, yeah. Was Mookie his father or, or was. Yeah, Mookie. They were supposed to be the baby of Mookie and Rosie Perez. Oh, that makes sense. Kind of. I mean, but here's my thing, though. Okay, I guess. I don't know. I guess that makes more sense. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean I'm thinking about the show. <laughs> I mean, would it make sense for him to be like Mars Blackman Jr. though? Yeah, it would make sense, but he's Hispanic. But we don't know who Mars Blackman ends up with. Yeah, uh, Mars Blackman can get one of the get one of the Hispanic shit. Yeah, that's true. But I think that they show Rosie Perez in the fucking mo- in the show, dude. But did they? But is her character Rosie Perez from? Uh, like I think they do yeah, refer to like the dad. I think they, they do the Mookie thing. I do they do do like yeah, the, they, I think they, they refer to his dad being there. Mookie. I remember like distinctly. Like, yeah, being... yeah. It's I agree with Malcolm. Hmm. So thoughts? Anything to share on the new one? I guess I really don't have that much to share on the new one. I like Anthony Ramos. <laughs> oh, uh, I like the new. Uh, I like the new. Um. What was the actress's name? DeWanda Wise. Denise. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah, I like her eyes. I mean, I like her. She's a good actress. She's a great. What actress. I realized that I was missing from the original when I watched the remake was Nola, like Nola's like character. While I still like Tracy Camilla Johns as Nola, and I like Nola's energy. I didn't know shit about her in this movie. Like, I don't really know shit about her. Like, <laughs> but th- they didn't really give her personality other than the fact that she likes to fuck. That's you know, true. She's kind of clever, but like, what I, in the pilot of the new one, she's like, I'm a cinephile. And she starts like dropping all these facts about like movies and she's like history. Like, she just knows all like film history and shit. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, like, it would be good to develop a personality for your main female character. You know what I mean? <laughs> of like outside of her, just like in the fuck dudes, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so I, I will give the new uh, series credit on that. Like I, I'm sure, I feel like that was a note spike got a lot. It's like, you made a lead female character where her only story is like the fact that she likes the fuck. Like <laughs> that's, that's something they discuss um, a lot in the bull. It's a common trend earlier in the book. And I got to be honest, again, I remember a yacht about the Spike movie. It wasn't that hard to even kind of find that on out. I mean, you could see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got a lot of sex scenes. Yeah. You don't really have too much. To pre- yeah. So it was kind of a common trend. But also, I don't say times, but. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, I mean, that's probably also why uh, Spike Lee wanted to play himself because he was like, I know I got these three sex scenes and I'm going to at least be in one of them. So <laughs> I, I might have contributed to his decision to take the role. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, thoughts on the remake, you know, obviously had more budget, um, you know, so they could do more with it. Um, I thought it was more visually like appealing to watch because it was just like it was very vivid. Like it was like the whole thing was like that one in color scene uh, in the movie. Uh, but I thought it had a great plot. You know, obviously, like you were saying, Theo just gave like the main character a lot more depth. Um, and you know, I thought you know they did things to like they just amplified the movie. Like you know, whenever Nola has that dream about the three girlfriends like gonna about to burn her up like when whenever she's sleeping like oh. there's three girlfriends that um that are like that are pissed and hate her and shit in the actual show and mm. so like they kind of go into those stories and things like that mm. as well there's some oh. funny shit that happens in this show i don't know if you guys remember but there's this one part this okay. one she get a like a uh, Brazilian butt lift. Yeah, like, that, was, that was so weird. That's when the series went off the rails. I was like, okay, that was okay. so weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. wait. Also, that's it. That's another thing that stood out about um the original that I'm sure had to be better in the, the, the remake. And Malcolm, you reminded me of it. That scene in the movie, the dream scene where those girls mm-hmm. are like talking shit. Those actresses are so bad. Like, I, was, <laughs> I like I could every once in a while. Like, I mean, I'll, actually, pretty often while watching this movie, the original, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is a student film." Because like, <laughs> the actors could not. Like, there weren't a lot of great actors, and there was a lot. Like, uh, yeah, that very- was again. I don't say authentic, but again, that's why I was feel. I felt like I felt like honestly, I remember this being a thought. I was like, "Are we seeing a black and white movie?" And I feel like my dad just like some of my friends just made a movie. <laughs> you know, so like, again, if my those have seen like a whole bunch of my dad's friends back in the eighties in Rochester, New York, and again yeah. that, that again that nineteen eighty four was like I'm not to be all weird about it, but like that was like what just downstate from like what my and dad were doing. I mean, now it was a yeah. lot and cooler, but I'll be honest, like. Ma didn't have too many like Ma didn't have too many Mars Blackman friends, but his say like Greers in, in those talk in, in the in the whatever guy like my dad friend and Ma would have my dad would have like friends like those those like and puppies. that's and that was a thing like because the, what worked to their advantage was like they probably didn't have a, much of a production design budget, so they were working with the natural like uh, styles and wardrobes that they're yeah. acting were wearing and that gave it an authentic feel but and that brought you into it but like i could like see the actors like reciting the lines like in their head as they're saying them (laughs) you know what i mean like it was just very much like you were you just learned these lines (laughs) two minutes ago bro like you were you were struggling to like like at any level of natural, like it, they, some of the shit they were saying did not sound natural. Like, <laughs> why are they talking like that? You know what I mean? And took me out. Be of honest, it. and if I want to yeah. say this, and I, I tried, I, I, I think she's a beautiful woman. I love her charisma, and she carries a movie of a classic. I think, and this is an American film class, in my opinion. I don't know if like Tracy Camille Johns comes off as a really good actress. But, I mean, 
have you seen Derek? She didn't have much of a career after this. It was that. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, and that's, I don't want to say irony, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. the most, and the two most charismatic characters were, I fact, like Greer and, and, and Spike. Greer would act in a few other things, but every other thing I'd see him in, he'd be pretty much being that same guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he'd be like that in five heartbeats. <laughs> I've, yeah, nobody from this movie really. That's, that's like, I mean, well, it speaks to some things why they weren't in, they weren't in SAG. They were very unexperienced and stuff, uh, but also speaks to like I don't know his, his deal. So he flipped this and leveraged this pretty much into which you may or may not be familiar. Um, this is feature film debut after Khan. Then Island Pictures was like, "Yeah, let's distribute this," and then they gave him a three film film de- uh, uh, picture. Or I think I'm sorry, a, a two film deal. Hmm. They were like, "We bought this and then do two others." And that's how he was able to so quickly able to do uh, School Days, which he had already written, um, and then do the right thing. And then after do the right thing, sure. you know what I mean? Uh, he he can pretty much do anything he want, unless it was about Malcolm X. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anything else you guys want to share in regards to comparing it to the new one, or you think guys kind of good to rate this? There was one other thing. Uh, shit. Oh yeah. I like Greer better in the other one too. I mean, yeah. I don't know Greer in the Greer. I like. I mean, at least in the pilot, I was like, "Oh, this Greer is funny. He's an idiot." It was like less of a like, "I'm a rich snob asshole," and more of a like, "I'm a pretty boy idiot." Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really funny to me. Hey, but still, what's one called? Uh, who's your boy, Jamie Malcolm? He still sucked in this one, yeah, and he was I married. Still remember him being fucking terrible in the. <laughs> he was married. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's a that's at least a redeeming quality like about the original too. Is like they made it. They really. Made, I feel like I feel like that last scene where he's where Noah's like that thing with me and Jamie didn't work out. Uh, I feel like they added that in after the fact. I feel like they screened the movie and people were like, "It's cool," but like. Fuck Jamie, and why does she end up with Jamie? And then yeah, the, probably. Like, yeah. Like, All right, let me go back and just end this different. Because like, <laughs> it was such a like, yeah, that whole movie basically didn't like this whole thing didn't need to happen at all because I ended up breaking up with all of them. Like, I was just like <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that because I was like, I forgot. I thought I actually thought going into this rewatch that she did end up with Jamie. Right. I just being like all like in love the whole time but then yeah i was glad at the end she was like yeah that shit didn't work out i'm like good that dude was fucking worse so <laughs> yeah and it was like but and it's like i'm glad that she didn't end up with him but it kind of like it kind of lifts the door open <laughs> i mean it just makes it seem like every the last the last 30 minutes of it didn't need to happen like that you know what i yeah. mean yeah yeah then why did you like break up with those other two dudes and like <laughs> go down the celibacy path just to be like, nah, fuck that. All right, bye. So, I don't want to go that route with it too. I kind of got some like, I don't know if this is a good comparison, but I think that some of actually I think the rest of my stories, Spike Lee's movies have very strong story and structure. This one though, I don't know. I think it's kind of <laughs> I think it's a vibe because like, I mean, especially like the the plot one line, which just definitely tells you it's a vibe, which is uh, a woman. What? Story of a woman and her three lovers. You know what I mean? 
I gotta be honest though. Do you really need to know more than that though? You know what I mean? No. <laughs> no. No. What, also, I like how they re like engineered Opal's character in uh, the new one because like no one was actually dating her too. Yeah. And and like they didn't just make her just like. Oh, she's a little bit curious too, but she's not gonna act on it. But like, and it's so taboo. But like, they just made her the, another character, and she ended up getting with Opal in the new one. Um, and I think that was like her main chick until she got tired of that shit too. So, so I have a feeling, and I would just love this. Not a feeling, you know, it'd be my dream if not every Spike Lee movie, but like. <laughs> my 10 favorite ones <laughs> they like did a uh uh a, a netflix or whatever or a streaming like you know what i mean limited series and breaking it out for like all of them i don't think i need it for all of them but i'd, I'd enjoy that for pretty much i'd love that for do the right thing yeah that's like, like do the right thing you have you can go deeper with like each of the different characters and like have like a whole episode on like similar like the other characters and stuff right i don't know so I feel like you could do a lot with Do the Right Thing. I feel like with School Days, you can make that into like a Netflix limited series. Um, Mo Better Blues. I feel like you have like a whole jet that New York jazz scene you could go into. Um, Is that on our Fe- watch list? Don't, are those? Oh, no. Mo Better Blues. Is that one on there yeah. specifically? Yeah. Oh, shit. Not looking forward to that one. Oh, yeah, I think that I might just need to. I think I'll maybe like another rewatch. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, "This shit's hella boring." One done, <laughs> but maybe maybe I've grown and become more enlightened, and now like maybe because I gotta be honest, that's I saw. I remember seeing that in the movie theater. I remember seeing that in the movie theater, and I remember thinking like, "This is super boring," and that light skinned lady is very pretty, right? So I remember, and so I remember like, "This movie sucks." And then when I got older. I would trip the heck on out because I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. This boring jazz movie that mom and dad took me to see in the movie theater, not only was it starring Denzel, but the other guy was Wesley Snipes. My mind was blown. I was like, maybe I have to check this movie back out again. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, this movie's kind of cool. So it was like, yeah, I saw it with, I saw this movie before like Denzel was huge, before Denzel was in glory, and before. Wesley Sykes was uh was uh New Jack. So I was kind of like boring jazz movie and jazz is boring. But yeah, after it was like I was like Nino Brown and freaking Denzel. All right, let's check this one out. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Hell yeah, maybe check it back on out, man. Because like Wesley, it's a young Wesley and Denzel. I forgot that Denzel was in it. Honestly. Young Wesley and Denzel, bro. And Robin Harris. Um, all right. Do we got any final votes on this? Two thumbs up, one thumbs up, two thumbs down. I'm giving this two thumbs up. Yeah, two thumbs up over here, too. That was great. Good right, rewatch. Six thumbs up all the way around. Um, um I, you know, I'm gonna kind of do my own like deep dive. Not I used to do deep dive on Spike Lee, but kind of before we do it to the break. Um, again, he's a favorite of mine, but uh Denny, you guys have any just things that you want to share in regards to just some of your, you know, Spike Lee as a as an actor, as a filmmaker. Um, Not about Spike Lee, but I guess shout out to Billy. Um, he just passed away like two months ago, so rest in peace, Billy. I didn't know that. 
was in this. Just two months ago. I didn't know it was that recent. Yep. Who died? He's old. He's super old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know it was just that recent. Yeah. Well, I got to be honest, man. I didn't know that. So I want to give a good shot because, dude, like, I am not going to front. Spike Lee movies are my introduction to jazz. I feel like I watched so many Spike Lee movies. And I did not realize that he introduced me to jazz. I mean, it's it's underlying. I didn't watch this much, but it's long story short. He introduced me to jazz. Once I started in college getting exposed and understanding what, you know, who artists were, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, when I'd hear them, I'd be like, oh, I've heard this before. And then I didn't know where I heard before. I'd go back and watch so many of these Spike Lee movies. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's got Love Supreme playing through the entirety of like, so, and again, kind of blue. He could, He's, he's like kind of like Scorsese. He kind of like has his like favorites and he kind of repeats them on like every movie and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Lee, he's a great one. Um, him and Spike had a very complicated relationship. Uh, and I say complicated as, you know, maybe a lot of us have, uh, a lot of people have complicated relationships with their father and Spike would always be very consistent to say that. But um, maybe it's kind of a closing thing. It's just, you know, um, but man, maybe one of the big things that I think that separated this from other uh black films i know there are a lot of other black films but the black and white and that jazz score that quality of a jazz score and being able to get that economical it being your father who can say that so yeah that's real all right well um i'm gonna do a little bit more of a deep dive on spike lee after the break uh he's a favorite uh but Look forward to uh, reviewing some more of his films. I think next week we're going to do School Days, his uh, follow-up. That should be a fun one. Thanks again, and uh, we'll catch up with y'all next week. Peace. Peace. Hi, I'm Spike Lee. I'm not directing. I do this. It pays the rent, puts food on the table, butter on my whole wheat bread. Anyway, I had this new comedy coming out. It's a very funny film. She's got to have it. Check this out. Normally there's something special. So you're bugging out, right? You're going to go, you're going to go, you're going to go, you're going to go. If you don't, I'll still be here on this corner. Two socks, two socks, three fight hours, three fight hours. Two socks, three fight hours. Born on March 20th, 1957, Spike Lee is an iconic filmmaker who has left an indelible mark on the world of cinema. His journey into filmmaking began with a deep passion for storytelling and a keen eye for social issues. Lee's entry point into the world of film came during his time at New York University's Tisch School of Arts, where he honed his skills and developed a distinct cinematic voice. His early works, such as Joe's Bed-Stuy Barbershop, We Cut Heads, and She's Gotta Have It, showcased his unique storytelling style and his commitment to addressing important societal themes. In 1986, She's Gotta Have It marked his feature film debut, and it immediately established him as a trailblazing director. His unapologetic exploration of race, identity, and social justice made him a prominent figure in independent cinema. Since then, Spike Lee has continued to create groundbreaking films, 
including Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, Jungle Fever, and 25th Hour. His ability to address complex issues with authenticity and creativity has earned him critical acclaim and numerous awards, including an Academy Award for Black Klansmen. Lee is a versatile fee maker who has delved into various genres, from powerful dramas to thought-provoking documentaries. His dedication to telling stories that challenge norms and inspire change has solidified his legacy in the entertainment industry. Join us as we pay tribute to the exceptional talent of Spike Lee and explore the diverse and impactful films he has brought to the screen. From his beginnings at NYU's film school to his current successes in filmmaking, Lee's journey is a testament to the enduring power of passion, dedication, and extraordinary skill. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. We hope you join us for the upcoming episodes of Cinematic Minds as we continue to explore the captivating world of cinema through the lens of remarkable filmmakers such as Spike Lee. Thanks again. Peace.